We got Matumbo finger going here. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to house party protocol. Power of Suits, and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today is the one and only Freddy of all Brian's. It's the Brian Freddy. What's happening, my guy? <laughs> <laughs> it's going well, Will. How about yourself? <laughs> you know, I'm feeling like that intro might be one of the weirdest intros I've ever done, but I'm here for it. And we're going to roll with it because I yeah. loved it. <laughs> yeah. So with the Freddy of all Brian's or the Brian of all Freddy's in mind. Did you ever see that movie with Tom Green back in the day? Freddy got fingered. No. What? Did you not know this <laughs> Never was a heard thing? of that one. No. Oh my gosh. That's okay. awesome. So do you know who Tom Green is? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there's like a generation of people that don't know who Tom Green is. Mm-hmm. And it's okay, because it was like definitely a moment, is is how I would describe Tom Green. And if you're listening to this and being like, who in the heck is Tom Green? Just Google Tom Green Show and, and see what pops up on the YouTubes. Or go watch Freddy Got Fingered, and you'll see everything you need to see. <laughs> And uh, I'm pulling it up in a Google search right now. I can't believe this exists. This is hilarious. Yeah, it's a thing. It's not the best movie in the world, but there's some moments in there that are pure gold. It definitely looks like one of those very classic, uh, what is this, 90s, 80s? Probably 90s. I think that came out in like 01? Okay, yeah, late 90s, early 2000s. Like, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a thing. And and do yourself a favor, go watch it. And then just, you know, you're going to have a line stuck in your head. And and yeah, just, you know, daddy, would you like some sausage? <laughs> just... <laughs> it sounds like a ridiculous movie. It's it's pure what it is. <laughs> so with that brian freddy which you know i know your full name is not brian freddy but but you're brian freddy yeah you know absolutely so like just just own that and and just accept the fact that that's what you're going to be i had a co-worker today and we were goofing off at work and we were talking about old nicknames and stuff like that and and different things and just random stuff right and i said something about somebody smelling like old cheese mm-hmm. and she goes yeah that was my nickname in high school and i was like what old cheese and she goes yeah and i was like well now that's your nickname here oh no it yeah. haunts her now yeah no so she said later she was like no no i was just kidding that's not wasn't really my nickname there and i was like well it still is gonna be here <laughs> because <laughs> it's just too good like 
old cheese like what's up old cheese you want to take a break old cheese all right i got you, you just sound like andy from the office now giving everybody ridiculous nicknames i mean i kind oh man i don't know if i want to be andy from the office i think everybody oh, wants no. to be jim but yeah there can be only one there you know? can only be one suave yeah but also we're very mixing up and uh, going off on many a tangent already <laughs> We're four minutes in and we haven't even told the suits what we're talking about today. And you might be wondering, what is the topic for today? There's been no news, Brian Freddie. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, we got a little bit of a taste from AMG saying that we're going to actually have some sort of an announcement come August 2nd. And then what? when's their mini strapaganza? September, September 14th, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's something to look forward to on the horizon, which is, like, I think a really good and positive thing. Like it kind of fills the the void of like not knowing what's going on. Mm. You know, kind of gives us a little bit of stability. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's pretty much been it. Yeah, you said the void, and that made me think of Sentry. And like, I mean, that's your next eight threat right there, right? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so that's definitely gonna ruffle some feathers, I'm sure. But. One of the things that I want to take the time to talk about today, Brian Freddie, is you recently went to an event and you took your tried and true in humans with you. You know, Black Bolt was there keeping you safe at night and during the day of this tournament and screamed at a couple people, you know, uh, he definitely screamed. He probably did the little, you know, let me whisper in your ear, girl, you know, kind of thing, which I'm always mm -hmm. here for. And yeah, so I want to talk about that. And the main topic for today's podcast as a whole, in case y'all are wondering out there, is that Marvel Crisis Protocol is bigger than what our internet echo chamber discourse can be at times. Is that a fair thing to say? I definitely, yes, absolutely. Like, I think that we get too narrow-minded into, like, Tunnel visioned, I think is what you said, like about the big bad threats and all of that. Like there are so many different pieces in this game that can provide so many different solutions to so many different things. And also just like fit so many different niches to like mm -hmm. how you like to play this game. I think it's, there's just so many different. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just it. And one of the things kind of stuck out to me today reading Atomic Mass Games studio update, or I think they call it Studio Communications Roundup Number 2, which yeah. I encourage everyone, if you're able, not if you're driving, but if you're able, go read this, check it out. It's interesting read, and it's like, I wouldn't so much say as you're peeling back the curtain so much as you're like, you've got like a stringy view through a little ripped hole. You know what I'm saying? Of the curtain yeah. is kind of what this is. And that's, and that's fine. But I think that there's some really insightful things in here. And one of the things that they mentioned is that not everyone is going to be tapped in to every little bit of minutia within the game. They don't say it exactly like this, but they basically talk about like errata and initial development being so important and using errata and points updates and changes and stuff like that as like a scalpel or of like a focused laser as opposed to a hammer. 
And they kind of get into that. And one of the things that they mention, I've been trying to find it as I've been talking, scrolling through here, but I can't exactly find the exact line. But basically how there's people like me and how I am tapped into this game in as much as I possibly can be and at deeper levels than someone that just goes up to their local game shop and wants to play Avengers versus Cabal because they love the idea of superheroes versus villains or whatever, right? And I'm not trying to... There's no, like, better or worse way to play the game or anything like that. That's not what I mean. But just in terms of being in the news, being in the erratas, being into podcasts, being into blogs, being into all of this stuff. I, I'm glad that people are into podcasts because hello. <laughs> so I'm glad for that. I, I don't ever want that to change, but it's really easy for someone like myself. And I can imagine for other content creators out there as well to get caught in a loop of 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 the same stuff and and i've actually seen myself be guilty of it lately i, I shout out to everybody on the discord being like oh yeah you know you're good i i love it because you always do something different blah 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 like i really appreciate you guys i feel like i've even been dragged down into the muck a little bit and not that yeah you know, i say muck it's a figure of speech i don't feel you know my inherent like don't piss anybody offness is coming through right now but like ultimately someone might not like what I'm saying. So it is what it is. But anyways, drag down into the muck, all that stuff. And I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy. I want to, I want to address the muck. I want to like, you know, sometimes it's fun to get a little dirty, you know, get some mud on your knees, have to take a shower later, all that fun stuff. But other times I want to remind myself that Malekith it's not the only thing in this game. I said his name. I know. Oh, fire. I know. Hellfire. Oh, no, no, no. You know, <laughs> Hulk is not the only thing. Thanos is not the only thing in this game. You know, and it's really easy when you're getting into this game to search Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast and find someone out there with complaints about those characters. And, and it's very easy. Yes. Yeah. Or, or not even if you Google podcast, just Marvel crisis protocol meta. And then boom, someone, you know, it's, it's instantly that. And you get into a discussion about that and everything. And today, Brian, Freddie, I want to take the time to talk about things other than those kind of discourse warping characters. Yeah. Cause I think enough <clears throat> has been said about those guys. For now. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. And like like you said, there's there's a broad spectrum of characters in this game that I think tend to get overlooked quite a bit. Um more so than in humans, you know? Like you've got inhumans and you know, who when was the last time you saw uh Sin Cabal hit the table? Oh man, yeah. And let me tell you, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, as as a, a player who marginally takes himself seriously, I get that there are things that are good and there are things competitively, I mean competitively, and there are things that are less good 
if you will, competitively. But that doesn't mean that someone that takes the time, puts in work, and says, you know what, I'm going to be the Sin Cabal player. Like that, that person exists, or they could exist, and that person could win an event. And whether it's a eight-person event or a 64-person event or a hundred and whatever person event, it doesn't matter because somebody took these characters that they love and and they went all the way with them. And that's one of the reasons why you're here today is because you recently took your Inhuman squad to, what, a three-in-one record at an event? Yeah, three-in-one, top table, had lost by one VP. <laughs> like... <laughs> Super crazy close game. It was super awesome. Um, shout out to Wyatt out at uh, Huzzah Hobbies. It's just, it's crazy. Nice, nice. So tell me about that game. Tell me about how you felt at that event being, were you the only Inhumans player? I was the only Inhumans player. I've kind of come to be known as the Inhumans player, which is funny. Um, but yeah, um, like, you know, obviously you've got, you know, the classics, you've got Black Bolt and Medusa, Miss um, Marvel. But um, what's really like, at least this is the way that I've kind of figured out how they kind of function is they 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 can either lean super heavy into the attrition game or they can lean really, really heavy into the like objective game. And they also do like a pretty decently good balance of both. Yeah. Um. Pre like pre crisis change, uh, they were in my opinion a more more objective focused game um, with the single extracts and all of those bad times that we used to live in. <laughs> um, but nowadays, like with the big boy meta and the battle cruisers and like all these things going on, uh, what's really awesome about the Inhumans is they've got some really like key affiliated pieces that can really actually kind of throw your throw your opponent really off guard. Um, and in my humble opinion, one of those top people are is Ronan the Accuser with the Power Gem. I mean, he did work for me in my HPP League match today. Don't mention Ronan with the Power Gem to Big Al, if y'all know Big Al, because <laughs> he might, might get a little PTSD from it. Yeah, he does. He does incredibly nutty things. Um, and a lot of people kind of just forget that he does these things. Um, like he doesn't have any sort of like rerolling abilities, which is probably like the only thing that is missing from his card, if I would even say missing, because, I mean, he does all of the other things, which is awesome. Um, what's really like special and unique about Ronan is that he's got the the judgment um, superpower. Um, being able to bait, like if you either attack him within range three or one of your allies are attacked while you are within range three of them, you can spend two and give them judgment. If you have that power gem on him, you nine times out of 10, you're going to be able to judge people at least once per round, if not two to three characters per round, depending on if he's taking the damage or you're passing him power, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And hang on, um, before, before we get too farther, how, yeah. what is the judgment condition again for all, for all, all the oh, people yeah. out there that haven't ever played Ronin or Scarlet Witch? Because I think they're the only two. Yes, I do believe they are the only two. Um, yeah. The judgment special condition is a special condition that 
when you have it, you are not able to gain power uh, after you take damage from an enemy effect. Um, so that kind of like shuts off a big core rule of, you know, the swinginess back and forth of, okay, you hit me, I get power to hit you back whenever I get to go next. Um, that is no longer a thing, um, which is really, really quite powerful, especially into like these big, like we've talked about, like these battle cruiser pieces like Mal or Cosmic Ghost Rider or insert random six plus threat character Hulk, Immortal Hulk. Like mm -hmm. if they're not able to gain power from the damage that they're taking, their swing back is going to be a lot less potent. And I think that that's really kind of critical. I think in the the world that we live in now, and I think it's something that's undervalued. Uh, yeah, no, I having played Ronin today, so I didn't get Judge off, but I think once just because I misplayed Ronin. So I haven't played a lot of Ronin, admittedly, and he's kind of been a model that I've had in my Guardians roster, just kind of sitting there, and I've been like, well, he's really only here for you know that matchup. Wink, wink nudge nudge <laughs> but today i found some interesting uses for him one of the things that i noticed with him is he has an eyes on the prize play which i really liked mm -hmm. uh, yep. i didn't use it <laughs> effectively <laughs> but i i used it but not in the way that i should have uh, and then additionally i really liked the idea of making my opponent think about that judgment and it's like, okay, cool. Ronan was out of position because I was going against Shield, which had a lot of long-range shooters. So I don't think Ronan's... Like, I'd say he's more of a tech piece in my mind, at least how he plays in Guardians. And I'm interested mm -hmm. to see how you feel about that with him in your Inhumans because while he did some work and moving into a Kree Justice is a thing of beauty... And then also, oh, yeah. if you're able to do the accuser into a Cree justice, it's just, you know, chef's kiss awesome. Mm -hmm. So see, yeah, like and that's what's really cool about that, right? Is like if he get for those who are listening who don't know what the accuser is um, when an, I'm reading it from the card here, if an enemy effect would cause this character to be dazed or KO'd after the effect is resolved, you may use the superpower. This character immediately advances short and you may make one attack targeting the enemy character that caused the effect. Then this character is dazed or KO'd. So, there was an errata somewhere, something, something. Um, but if he, if he does get attacked, right, and mm -hmm. you were to be dazed or KO'd, he is not dazed or KO'd yet. So, before that happens, correct me if I'm wrong, Will, but you are able to judge the person that you are about to swing back at. Um, which is really powerful because if you're, say, you get nuked by some Malekith or Immortal Hulk, etc., he can step forward, spend four power. Well, he would spend two power to judge you. Then he can step forward, spend four power for a Creed Justice, and potentially, hopefully, wipe you off the board, and he doesn't get any power for it. And I think that that's crazy. So... Yeah, that's pretty great. And you're not wrong in terms of how the effects are worded. So you got to look when you're looking at, at can I do the thing, which I actually missed this trigger in my matchup uh, today, where mm -hmm. you can do the judgment and follow up with the accuser because both effects happen 
after the attack is resolved. So judgment says when this character or an allied character within three of this character is damaged by, oh my gosh, that is why I kept messing it up. Yep. And that's why we were yelling at you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Read your cards, people. Because yep. his whole team should have been judged. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Al, I know you're yep. listening. I know you're listening. And dude, we played this so wrong. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Like I, it was like every other turn. I'm like, please use the judgment. That's why he's there. Okay. So, well, so I retract my previous statement of him being just a pure tech piece now, because yeah. this is much better than I thought it was. See, I thought <laughs> the attacker had to always be within three of Ronin. No, 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 no. We got Matumbo finger going here. <laughs> and, and it's, yeah, and, no. Yeah. <sighs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I want to finish my thought on, on how this works. And then we can just, you know, throw shade at me for messing this up like a champ. Go ahead. Go ahead. So judgment is damaged by an enemy effect. After the effect <laughs> is resolved, you may use the superpower. Okay, so the accuser, if an enemy effect would cause this character to be dazed or KO'd after the effect is resolved, you may use the superpower. So, because the timing chart, I don't know exact steps, but because the timing chart's laid out in such a way, basically you get to do any effect that would be after the effect is resolved in any order you desire when it comes right. to an ability like this. So... That's why you can judge, and if you have four power left over, into Creed Justice. But let's not forget that judging into a universal weapon or into his strike is still very good. Oh, very good. Especially if you get the wild and can push, right? And, like, if you know that, you, like, there's weird, you know, there's weird defense stuff going on with your other character that you're about to hit, like, um... If you do your universal weapon, you get an automatic shock, which is like a very undervalued or not, maybe not undervalued, but like it's not a very relevant condition in the game because not very many characters can dish it out. And the fact that he can give it out for free, <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, you don't have to hit a trigger for it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, everybody loves Crimson Dynamo for a lot of reasons. He's really good, but you got to roll wild. So Crimson Dynamo, you get one <laughs> damage through with universal weapon. You're shocking him. Yep. And on five dice at range four, and it's free. Yeah. 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 Don't threaten me with a good time. But anyways, so read your cards. That That is, you know, read, absorb, all of that stuff. And it's interesting because if you go back and watch, it, it'll be on YouTube by the time you're hearing this podcast, hopefully. And um, if you go back and watch that match, you'll see, like, I obviously had ample opportunities to throw judgment out there but not only that like we both were playing around the different effects for all the different people at different times it was really fun and interesting game and ronin didn't really do much until the last round really like he walked up got dazed whiffed whiffed his attack into the dazer and then Oof. woke up and chose violence. Yeah, he was there uh, to judge people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said, I saw what you did, Cosmic Ghost Rider, and I judge you. And I take your head off now. You stand accused. 
<laughs> man, how good was Lee Pace? Like such such a good actor in such a meh role, man. I know, right? <laughs> anyways, anyways. So, it's... but all of this to say yeah. with Ronan um, in Inhumans, and it's great because he is affiliated, uh, lore wise. He was married to Crystal at one point, which is cool. Um, but he. What I really like, I really like to use him as a core piece. And what's cool about my specific build I've got here, like, the, he's not always in the build. He's not always on the table. Um, it depends on threat. It depends on going who up against. But, like, I would arguably say 75, 80% of the time he's on the table. Um, he acts as a really awesome power battery. He works as a really great... Um, like you said earlier, eyes on the prize play for grabbing the midpoint and moving back to safety, yada, yada, yada. Um, but what's really great about him and the Inhumans uh, leadership ability to be able to pass around power once per your turn within range three is you, like I said earlier, as long as you've got the two power online, you can set up your people to pick up the points, the extract points, sit on a secure objective, and if, as long as Ronan's nearby and your opponent tries to come at your people, they're like, it acts as like a deterrent. It either acts as a deterrent or it acts as we need to get Ronan off the table as fast as possible, mm -hmm. which is like not necessarily a bad thing because, again, that judgment is going to be dished around everywhere. And if they daze you, I'm coming in to beat your head off with a hammer, <laughs> which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Um, but that's what's really great here is. You say you run up Black Bolt and you grab a point, you set on a point, and then you run up Miss Marvel up the other side. Like, whatever the case is, um, one of my games this past weekend in this event that I was at, um, I was up against the the aforementioned uh, Malekith Lockjaw play, and I just, I kind of had to make him come to me. Um, I had, who did I have? I had, um, I had Black Bolt. I had Black Bolt, Ronan, and I think it was I think it was Ulick. Yeah, Ulick over there in the corner as well. Man, um, love and any time that he came in swinging, like not only did he get shock on him, judgment. I think he also had bleed or something crazy. Like Malekith had all the things all the time. Um, nice. And they're all just like crazy defensive people, which is awesome too. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny how that works out, and it's one of those things where because Ronin's affiliated is why you have had him on the table. I mean, because he's affiliated Guardians of the Galaxy is why I had him on the table today, and it was one of those things where when I sat down, I was like, ah, oh, you know what? I haven't run Ronin at all during this testing process that I've been going through, which go back and listen to a few episodes when we talk about that with Dojo DC, but... um. I hadn't used him at all. I just haven't run into the matchup that I brought him for. And today I realized, oh, well, we play it at 19 threat, so I can have my cake and eat it too, right? I can bring <laughs> Rocket, Groot, Star-Lord, Cosmic Ghost Rider, and Ronin. And I will say, I've been um, learning that my list building i i definitely need some more diversity in the threat values because uh yeah at 19 threat it is not it's i either have to take this build with ronin 
and Rocket and Groot, or I have to leave Rocket and Groot and Ronan at home and and cobble together something else, which hasn't been bad. Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, it hasn't been bad, but it's also not been great. So yeah, you know, I would say that's yeah, that's probably like one of the hard things within humans right now is with Black Bolt at a five threat. Um, it can make it a little bit hard to have like that defensiveness across the board. Um, like Beast is also affiliated with the Inhumans. Like I guess in the comics he was like the the like liaison or the liaison. I don't know if that's the right I don't know if that's the right word, but he was like the no, he like liaised. the official spokesperson, I guess, between yeah. the humans and the inhumans and their ability to live on Earth, I guess. Something like that. People are probably yelling at me. I'm not good at lore stuff. But um, what's great about Beast is that cheap throw. Oh, yeah. Um, it's so good, and I just recently came onto it. Like, you don't really use him as an offensive piece. You use him as a thrower and as someone to sit on a point and be defensive as heck because he re-rolls all the things, and he's really awesome like that. Um, and that's kind of the main theme of what I try to go for, right? Is like, I, I think I kind of try to run it kind of like how you've talked about how you run your convocation, right? Like, you've got control with like a lean of what, what do you call that? Oh, it's control with a side of damage. There it is. Yeah. Side of kill or whatever. Yeah. With a side of attrition. Um, it's usually how I say it. Yeah. Black bolt can like really turn up the heat. Medusa as everybody knows can really turn up the heat and it's just, they're more control. I think at the end of the day, they can put out that damage, but as long as you've got some like good, good, like, with their leadership, it's tricky too because you have to like, you have to like think probably a good five to six steps ahead of like passing the power around and using it at the right times and passing it at the right times. Yeah. Um, and what's great is you can use it at any time during the turn. So like you can double move all the way over to your, you know, your your ally to pass over that power that way, et cetera, et cetera. But um, it's really good for fueling cheap throws. Um, uh, Miss Marvel's ability to be able to um, do her range for Morpho Punch and then push towards you. I have literally, there was one game I played against a local recently where um, he ran his doc, Dr. Octopus up to my closest scoundrel. Miss Marvel and Ulick were both standing on my deployment. She pushed him towards me. Ulick was able to then double tap and then rock and troll up to the middle of the board. So he was able to double tap and then be able to secure an objective, which is just like crazy sauce, right? That is nice. Um, so Beta Ray Bill's in here too. Um, so just with the mindset of throw, 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 control, 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 and then you have a black cat <laughs> that steals the things that are rightfully mine. Uh, obviously, they are rightfully yours. But it's interesting <laughs> when we look at Inhumans and, you know, you talk about the turning up the heat with someone like Medusa. Obviously, when Black Bolt decides to whisper at you, as long as he has a mouth, then, you know, it's going to hurt. But, you know, if, yes, if, just run away from Scarlet Witch as much as you can. Exactly. Exactly. It, it'll be a cruel twist if he were to not have a mouth and make the back of his head explode. Anyways. Oh, Anyways, it's funny when we look at a character like Medusa, I want to focus on her for just a second because okay, she was the toast of the MCP town 
for a not small portion of time. And she's, I would say, not seen as much outside of Inhumans lately. But when we're talking about a control game and a character that is able to really do some damage and really play a good control game. I mean, it's only five dice, but five with a reroll, you're hitting that wild trigger like 40% of the time, I think is how that math works out. Something like that. Something which like that, yeah. MCP dice math does not exist. But no. <laughs> but not at all. It is what it is. And so, you know, you're you're getting that it's a size three push and then potentially getting the flurry on top of it. And it's uh it's it's just a whole thing. And I know that you know, after she got the errata, she fell off a cliff in terms of popularity. But I think that uh she she's still nothing to scoff at, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, and you guys are about to call me crazy and whatever, you're a fake fan, blah blah blah. Um Medusa sees the table for me probably fifteen percent of the time. Really? Yeah. Man, I you know, and and I can't believe you play in humans without Medusa finger wag at you, all of that stuff. But out of my four game event, she saw the table once. I think that's and that was during my last game. Interesting. And I would imagine that's something of a like a reason because while Medusa has a lot of good utility, a character like Ulick with the amount of movement he has and the slightly more reliable pushing that he can do maybe mm -hmm. question mark somewhat yeah like i think for me mostly um before before the crisis changed a lot of a lot of the time i leaned more into uh the lockjaw black bolt uh pairing um i would throw out black bolt to the middle try to get him flipped as quickly as i possibly could um and then use lockjaw as like a safety net um with last minute save yeah. so if he does get flipped onto his backside and he does get spiked i can get him out of shot and then come in and scream at somebody's face um that was when i was brand new to the game i didn't really know what i was doing not that that's not like a valid play i think it still has some utility but i think in the current state of the game that we're in right now it's not nearly as potent as it once was um, I tend yeah. to use more of his power these days, trying to buff his defenses and like keep him alive longer. Um, because his his uh, his energy bolt and his master punch are two pretty potent attacks. Range yeah. four energy with a wild pierce is yeah. very good. Um, but that was a small tangent. With Medusa, back before the crisis changed. I leaned more into five threat plus a bunch of three costs. So uh, I had Crystal on the board a lot. I had Ms. Marvel on the board a lot. I had Quicksilver, Black Cat. I had all these all these utility pieces to be able to steal and run away. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that play still has a lot of value. Um, a lot of times, if we're on a D map or a B map... Or what's what's scoundrels F? Scoundrels F. is F, uh, but it's yeah. really spread out a lot of a lot of the time. Yeah. So anytime like I see a spread out map, unless I see something very scary like a Malekith or something, like for the most most of the time I'm running something like Black Bolt, Miss Marvel, Beast, Quicksilver, Black Cat. Um, so they can run in, 
grab the points, stay safe. If I'm able to shove in a Ronin, I'm going to shove in a Ronin. Um, because it keep like I've said stated before, it keeps them all safe. Medusa's four threat just most of the time trying to do what I'm trying to do does not fit the equation. Because she does have a throw. She does have the you know, the the royal decree, which is really good. Yeah. There was a couple of like key trigger like key times I should have royal decreed in my last game that I think costed me my game. Um, but again, I haven't played her very much. Um, but she has a lot of. I think she's really good. But at the fourth threat, it's really tricky to get her out to do certain things. Um, sure. Yeah, five threat leader, man. Yeah, it is. It's tough. But I think that he's worth every single point of his five threat. I think that there's a couple things that they could probably try to add or like update to make him a little bit more on the curve of what five threat is nowadays, like with Ulick yeah. or, you know, I mean, heck even Ronan with the power stone, it's just crazy. But um, yeah, Medusa just doesn't see as much play as you might, you might think, at least for the way that I play these, this team, yeah. because they are a very versatile, very flexible team in that way, which is, I, I think that's really why I'm drawn to them so much as well. And being able to, share that power economy with each other really pays dividends a lot of the time. Yeah. And it's, and it, you can spend one turn shipping a power off to somebody. You can play mind games with people. You don't actually need that power to go to somebody, but it kind of, you can actually kind of steer somebody's direction in the opposite way when you really want to be working on the other side of the board. Um, they're like, oh, I got to go mess with Black Bolt because Miss Marvel just gave him my power. But uh, really, I want to play with beasts so that way I can run over here, grab somebody and throw them off a point. Someone who's already, you know, gone that activation or whatever. Right, yeah. Um, it's it's really it's really like a fun puzzle to figure out. Yeah. When I see uh, an affiliation like in humans, I mean, that's what I kind of visualize is almost the ultimate puzzle where. You're like, okay, I've got to, I've got to move this character. I got to give a power here. Then I got to move that character. Then I got to do this, and I got to make sure I'm giving the power. And like you said, making sure that all the powers in the right places at the right times, and you can use those mind games, do that kind of stuff. But ultimately, you still need that power where it needs to go. Mm -hmm. And I find yep. that to be really intriguing. And also, the idea of Inhumans just melts my brain a little bit. So anytime I've played an Inhumans player, like you and I played a match, and I was just like thrown for a loop and then anytime i've played in humans in real life i'm just like i don't even know what you're doing i'm just gonna try to kill your stuff <laughs> and see like that's where people get lost i think like yes it's a big puzzle yes it's kind of a brain melting thing but like we say with any of these affiliations right repetitions make a very very big difference and Absolutely. humans won a very big event back in what february at the weekender over yeah, in like the united kingdom like it's crazy that the the inhumans of all teams won a very large event with all of these sharks out here doing crazy stuff like you know like i picked up a web warriors roster a couple uh, probably about a month ago and i ate dirt with them <laughs> but I know that some people would just run the whole show with them. You know, it, it all takes practice. I think it really does. And you know, that's the thing about this game. That's so great is I've, I've heard some discussion around the idea of 
being able to play whatever you want at any time and, and all that stuff is a, is a ultimately going to be a bad thing potentially. Mm-hmm. And I hear that and I'm like, I see why you would say that random person on the internet, but I still think that ultimately it is a core thing in the game. And like, yeah, some affiliations are so big that like, maybe Hulk should be be locked into like a two things. But at the same time, when I when I say that and I hear myself say that, I'm like, but it's kind of cool to to imagine that Hulk is doing something with the inhumans today. Yeah, because it's all it's all of this game really at the end of the day is a big narrative. Yeah. It's fun to put in the the random things to make all the giggles happen at the table, right? Like right. it's a game. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, it's hard It's hard to say that, like, some characters are not... Like, I've seen arguments where people will say that you can't put in more than, like, one, you know, Splash character. There's teams out here like Winterguard right now that have four affiliated pieces. How do you think they're going to be able to function as a team on the tabletop? Right. It's impossible. Right. I mean, and that, And um, that's it, man. Yeah. Like it's tough <laughs> when you're talking about winter guard as an example. Like, I mean, let's just, let's talk about them for a second as something that I've played against a winter guard player at last year's NashCon in my first round. Like he was straight up playing winter guard and I was playing convocation because of course I was, and <laughs> he was a good player. Like he, he was doing the thing. He was really going for it. And that damn bear, man like he will catch you off guard dude that bear is nothing to be laughed at look the bear if you don't have control like if you're if you're not a team that has any real form of get that bear out of here ability that bear slaps pun intended oh yeah pun intended (laughs) and and it's one of those things where you know it's yeah, I just, I don't know how to, I don't know what I want to say about it, but like Winter Guard is one of those things that's like the tiniest tweaks to some of these characters and, and you would hear them in a completely different conversation. But at the mm-hmm. same time, there's, this is another, like, I don't want to get into necessarily this whole discussion here, but there's always in every single game in the history of gamedom, there is may, maybe not every game like go and chess and checkers, but like bear with me here. There's a curve of, of stuff that's good and stuff that's not so good. And then there's that thing that's perfectly balanced right in the middle. You know, the old bell curve. Yep. We all, we've all mm-hmm. all know what that is probably. And it, it's interesting when we look at a character like Ursa major, right? I can sit here and say competitively, He's probably lower on that bell curve than most four threats. However, he can have a game. He can have a game. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And- every every single model in this game, in my humble opinion, has the ability and the right to be able to win a big event. Yeah. Because of how this game functions. 
It takes repetition. It takes practice. And I think it takes love and care too. It does. If you feel, if you feel the excitement behind the characters that you're putting on the table, I think it makes a very big difference. Yeah. Dice are going to dice. You can't control those things, but you like, I think a lot of that is really on you as the player. Well, I mean, I love the inhumans, you know, like it drives me to want to be better with them because it's kind of a pride thing right oh yeah i mean that's why i played convocation for so long and with as much gusto as i did was because like i don't necessarily want to be the convocation guy but at the same time like it was something i love dr strange and i love sorcerer supreme dr strange as a model and what he does on the tabletop and I just always found myself having fun with strange and voodoo and and all of this mystic stuff going on. And I just imagine like mind bullets and and magic symbols flying through the air and all that stuff. And so that's why I played them for as long and as hard as I did. And that's still my favorite thing in this game. I've obviously talked about this before, but switched over to Guardians of the Galaxy just because those are characters I enjoy too. And I like Cosmic Ghost Rider as a model and a character in the comics. So I want to play the thing that I like. He's a part of. <laughs> in that way, right. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's, uh, I I've certainly have a complex about it, I guess. But like, I just, it's, just, I just like this game and I like playing different stuff. And it's been fun to learn Guardians of the Galaxy. I can say, um, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're good. They're good. <laughs> and, um, and like, I'd like to jump around a lot, too. Like, I want to be able to play all the different things all the time. Um, I've, you know, had my my dabbles with Criminal Syndicate. I love that team a lot, too. Um, and with, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Midnight Suns. Midnight oh, Suns yeah. is another really fun one. Um, but I always find myself crawling back to the Inhumans. I just, I don't know what fascinates me about them, but they are just some of the coolest characters in, in Marvel comics. Absolutely. And I think that they get overlooked a lot. I mean, they're discount X-Men, but they're cool. Yeah. Whatever you say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So speaking of discount X-Men, I am stoked for the immortal Thor comic, which has nothing to do with discount X-Men, but I just wanted to use that as a segue. (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be cool like, i'm excited I am about it super here for that comic and it's on my pull list cannot wait yeah it's gonna be sick so now they just need to make more inhumans comics stop it's been it. a minute stop it nobody buys no. those yes they do <laughs> i do i buy all of them. you buy all of them really just Literally. just make them for brian freddy come on marvel i know you listen uh, black bolts on the cover it's probably on my stack that i bring to the register that's fair you do have a tattoo now I do. They are permanently inked to my body, believe it or not. So, uh, yeah, all of this conversation, I know we've talked a lot about Inhumans and kind of hemmed and hawed about a lot of other things here, but I do want to firmly plant my flag in the idea of regardless of what you read on the internet, hear in a podcast, watch on a YouTube video, Every character at any one moment can bring you joy. And just because someone like me says of 
Clea blows herself up. You should never play her worst model in the game. That does not mean that Clea isn't a character that can have a fun moment for you. I, I use that as a Clea is definitely not a character I hate and not a character that is the worst one in the game by any stretch of the imagination. And even that moment when she gave herself the power and promptly decided to blow up with rolling four skulls, even that moment brought me joy. And I mean, that's been two year, a year and a half ago that that happened. And I still remember it and love it. And it was just a, a really great and wonderful moment. And it's one of those things where anything can bring you joy in this game. If you just give it a chance. I mean, a, a character like Jean gray is one that she might have her competitive issues, but at the same time, finding a way to, to get her to do the thing and, and doing the stuff, whatever it is, you know, doing a little, matter transmutation with her can turn the tide of a game potentially absolutely you know so i say all that to say that just because someone like me or or whomever else out there in the ether says something isn't great that doesn't mean that if you love that character that you shouldn't get them on the table and and just try like if you Love Jean Grey. Put Jean Grey on the table. See what she does, not just in one game, over a few games. Yeah, and there are times where you can take other characters and build around Jean Grey. And now Jean Grey's a workhorse. And everybody else around you is just like, wait, what? She actually works? Right. You know? Right. I mean, Ronan, like we, we spent a ridiculous amount of time talking about is a perfect example of a character that's always kind of been like solid, but when you put it all together and you think about what he does as a character, solid is good enough and can have a lot of utility on the tabletop. You don't need someone to be Malekith in every game. You don't need that in every single game. And, and that's the point I want to hammer home is that while AMG is not above criticism, I will criticize them at any point when they have made mistakes. And, and I, I, but I'm generally a positive person, but I, I have no problem levying criticism where it's due. Are there quote unquote issues? Sure. But when that's all we talk about, and, and I mean the proverbial we, not any one specific person, but when that's all we talk about and all we hear about, it it saps some of of the the goodwill around things. I think at yeah. times is, is that. I mean, am I coming across? I'm coming across preachy. I know I am. I mean, but you're not wrong though. Like whenever we're like, it's all the negativity, you know. Like the game is still great. Maybe not consistently, you know. But yeah, it's yeah. The, the game is still great. And absolutely. T- tell me is. right now, Brian, Freddie, you went to a competitive event and you went three and one and there was somebody there that maybe went oh and four or maybe went one and three or two and two or whatever. And they still had a blast. Did they not? 
Oh, for sure. I mean, my third opponent and I, like, we did nothing but giggle and laugh about the things that were going on at the table the literal entire time. And we just made stories up for every time that, you know, an attack whiffed or an attack spiked or, like, whatever the case is. Like, oh, <laughs> Wanda was turned around so she didn't see Black Bolt scream at her. Like, whatever the case was, you know, right. like, it's just, it's fun. And, like, at the end of the day, like I've said before, it's a game. Let's let's have fun with it. Yeah. But uh, anyways, speaking of having fun, we have some questions from the House Party Protocol Discord, which if you're interested in finding out how to join that, check out patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol, where for as little as a dollar a month, which equates to, hang on, I can do this math, 12 bucks a year. You can come and hang out with some of the best people on the interwebs. I love them so much. They are the best. And uh, yeah, make sure. It's a great, wonderful place. He's not kidding. It really is. It it really, really is. And I uh, I just, I can't speak enough good things about it. So we've got some questions from some of the guys over there. And uh, we'll start with M. Wallen. Or Waylon, I don't know how to say that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna guess it's with that. Why it's are Waylon. it's Waylon? There you go. Yeah, I think it's Waylon. Why are Inhumans not as cool as mutants, and does that affect why people don't view Inhumans as a competitive force? Well, first of all, they're not as cool as mutants because the Inhumans were trying to take the place of mutants at one point, and that was no bueno on Marvel's part. Now, uh, let's be fair here. Okay. Look up when the X-Men were created. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> they were created after the Inhumans. That's irrelevant. Erroneous. Fun fact. Erroneous. Not as cool. <laughs> Chris Claremont made them popular, and that's why. There's no, there's no denying that they're infinitely popular. Um... I think that they're cooler, though. I think that's that fair. they're slept on. That's fair. And and I think that's what it is, is like, you know, everybody knows mutants. And, and look, Storm's leadership is a great leadership in this game. So, you know, I think that's when we talk about competitive forces. Also, like we talked about earlier, and humans are a puzzle. And yeah, putting together that puzzle can be tough. When you put in the right pieces that just need one more power. You could be untapping some really crazy stuff all the time, and that's what's great. Yep. All right, Rob has a great question here. Mm -hmm. Top five best and worst models. Not characters in the game, but like actual physical models. What character... We'll start with that. So we're not going to do top five because that's a little ridiculous, but let's do, say, top three each. So... You start it. Um, actual for uh, let me see. Worst okay. physical models in the game, I would probably say, and this has nothing to do with my actual loathing of this character in the game. Uh, whenever I have to see her across the table, but X twenty three, um, that joint or where she connects to the the tactical rock is yeah. like kind of kind of bad. That gangster lane she's got going on is pretty rough. Uh, I hate Wong's pose. Wong <laughs> is not not a good one. Um, another 
one that I'm not thinking of. Believe it or not, I'm honestly really not like the biggest fan of the original. Oh, nope, this one's better. Colossus. Oh, Colossus you... is pretty bad. Yep, he he was going to be on my list. However, so original Hulk. I I do not love the original Hulk pose. It is just it it just doesn't doesn't say Hulk. You yeah, I mean? no, I can see that. You know, so so that's one. Uh, Cassandra Nova, that model mm -hmm. is ridiculous. Oh yeah, that one's awful. <laughs> like, what are you thinking? And then the next one's a bit of a toss up for me, and it's just because of connection points. It's Miles and Electra. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You cannot grab those. Like, I have to grab by the mailbox and pray my fingers don't slip. Every time I grab Miles' model. Absolutely. You're not wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love the pose, yeah. but like, worst model, like, it's that, hands down. So, best models now. So, three best models. Well, look, again, now, now we're, I'm going to go for posing on this one, not like physical picking up in this. And it's claw is oh, yeah, incredible. Dude. That I mean, we've gushed over him. He's incredible. awesome. Agent Venom, incredible. And the OG of OG best models in this effing game, and that's Green Goblin. I knew that one was coming. I mean, come on. Listen, so you're going to hate me for this. I don't think it's as awesome as everybody thinks it is. Get out. Of, you know what? Maybe it's just the cloud plume. That the cloud what? plume is a little awkward to me. I mean, the cloud plume's a little weird, like the, the C shape of it and all that, but but that's, like, don't focus on the wrong part of the model. <laughs> right. I think everything else about it is pretty good. Though. You know what? I was asked, you, were, you were about to be uninvited from this podcast. <laughs> I was about to have to re-record the whole episode with somebody else. Hey, here's the thing. If I care about you, I'm always teasing with you somehow. Exactly. So. All right, so what are your three favorites? Um, This one is... No, in no particular order, Modoc Scientist Supreme. It's great. Oh my gosh, I absolutely love this model. Just the sway, the way, I don't know. It's everything about it just stings to me. I love that model so much. Um, Hulkbuster's incredible. Yep. Um, and honestly, it's a it's a very hard tie, I think. And that's between Lizard and Carnage. Oh, that I was not expecting you to go that direction. And yeah, and you're not wrong. Those models are incredible. And that's one of the fun things about this game is some of the these are just my personal choices. But like, I could literally rattle off ten models right now that I just the sculpts just make make my heart l jump because I love them so Rhino. much. Rhino, I mean, yeah. I mean, look. Oh, dude. I mean, that cake. Just all the cake. All the <laughs> all time. All the cake all the time. All the cake all the time. That's definitely up there. And then, anyways, yeah, just, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole. So, uh, so Rob says, what character do you wish you had more time with, but never seem to get on the table? And, you know, I actually mentioned her earlier and like Jean Grey is one of those characters that like I keep constantly being like man I know that like there's like she's not that bad 
and just I just never get around to like pulling the trigger. I mean, there's and, a few for me, and there's a few right. There's definitely a few. Okay, yeah. now now I'm gonna I'm gonna steal your thunder just for one second. The yeah. the number one like model that I don't ever get enough time with, but that I freaking love, is Black Swan. I just I don't. Oh yes, dude. I don't play Black Order. And she's not the best splash in the world. But, like, man, I love Black Swan, dude. Oh, she's awesome. She is awesome. And, like, oh, man, like, oh, I just love Black Swan. Anyways. For me, um, Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Moon Knight and, I would say, Iron Fist. Yeah. Um, they're just, they're... Well, for one, I just I adore Moon Knight. I think he's one of the freaking coolest characters in Marvel Comics. But um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Danny Rand is like his character rules on the table just intrigue the heck out of me. Um, it's just trying to find a place to fit him because I'm not much an Avengers player. I like I said, I've dabbled in Midnight Suns. I like Midnight Suns, but. I don't know. I feel like that there's somewhere that he can kind of plug in and just be an absolute superstar. Yeah. No, he's he's great. Iron Fist is great. So, uh, yeah, we're not going to get to the last part of this, but uh, no. uh, Dojo <laughs> says, uh, I don't know what I... In your opinion. Oh, there you see, you know, these internet kids. In your opinion, yep. <laughs> what is the most underrated team tactics card? And his vote is the Books of Truth, which is a pretty solid card. And it's a Brotherhood card. When an allied Brotherhood of Mutants character is attacking or defending at the end of the modified dice step of the attack, before the calculate success or failure step, it may spend two power to play this card, which that's a lot of rules speak to basically saying when you're attacking or defending, spend two power, play the card. This character re-rolls all of their attack or defense dice, including skull results. So it's basically like recalibration matrix for two power. Oh, and you get to re-roll skulls, whereas recalibration right. matrix, you cannot. And it doesn't affect your opponent. So yeah, no, I I think that's a solid one. That's pretty good. I didn't that's know a, that existed. That's, that's cool. a solid choice. So what about you? Uh, this is one I wanted to talk about earlier, but the con conversation kind of drifted towards other things. Um, that would be Terra Genesis. I knew you were going to say that freaking card, dude. Let me tell you something else. That card raises my blood pressure every single time I roll those four dice. <laughs> I don't know why. I you, get you, so you nervous it. that it's not going to work. You nail it I've every time. I played that card 50 times, and I think it's failed twice, and it makes me so sad. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's fair. No, that's fair. Um, that card reads, any inhuman character may spend three power to play this card. Choose an enemy character holding a civilian token within range three of this character and roll four dice. Deal a damage for every hit, crit, and wild to the enemy character. The enemy character is dazed or KO'd. You score two VPs. Yeah. And I think that that crisis absolutely throws people for a loop every single time. Because everybody always wants to choose their secures. That's cool. Give me my extracts, which are all civilians. <laughs> I'll run with it all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
No, that's uh, mm, yeah. You you hit me with that card. Yeah, it's it a, will sneak up on you. It's it's a really good one, man. I I I gotta say, I rather love it. You know, it's interesting because when we talk about like underrated tactics cards, right? There's so much nuance that goes into choosing tactics cards and playing something that is gonna have an impact in the moment because it's generally speaking once per game so like right. it really has to make an impact yeah. and there's so many cards out there that are are great and and that do a lot of different things and when i think about something that is underrated you know i kind of I have, I have a lot of choices, okay? There's a lot of them. Obviously, I mean, like Gamma Launch is like A1 best card in the game. <laughs> Gamma Launch is great. Honestly, one two punch, it's a core set card, but being able to roll two extra attack dice, especially on certain characters, and, and with the ranges that Marvel Crisis Protocol is played at a lot of times these days, like you can have an enemy character that's within range two of an allied character very easily and the active character. So it reads like this when the active character targets an enemy character with an attack and the target characters within range two of another allied character, those allied characters may spend one power each to play this card Add two attack dice to the attack roll. So yes, it's only one attack. But it doesn't say that both characters have to be within two. The enemy just has to be within two of another ally. So, oh, yeah, that is good. So, looking at it in that perspective, I feel like that really opens that up in a very interesting way. That it's not something that I play regularly, but like adding two attack dice, especially as, um, attrition focused as this game can be at times that can really make a difference yeah no i agree one that really blew my mind earlier in the discord was the uh the psd oh yeah what's that one called again psychic Um, shield device yes dude like didn't even know that was real (laughs) yeah that's a good card it is so for that one any character may spend one to five power to play this card so any character can play it one to five power this round while within range X of this character. So the one that played it and X is equal to the power spent when allied characters are targeted by a mystic attack, add one die to their defense rolls and allied characters cannot be advanced or pushed by the effects of enemy mystic attacks or enemy superpowers. That's pretty solid. It's pretty dang good. Pretty. Especially with this uh, Hellfire situation been going on recently. That's real good. Yes. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Underrated tax cards. There's a few. I think that there are a myriad of other ones that that come to mind. Uh, A card that I had someone play against me recently was Cruel Tutelage, which is a criminal Mm -hmm. syndicate card that during a criminal syndicate character activation it may spend one power to play this card so one power the next attack 
made by this character this turn adds three dice to the attack roll. If the attack roll contains one or more skull results, the attacking character gains the stagger special condition at the end of its activation. So, sure, you might end up staggered at the start of your next turn, but you're killing something. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty good. It makes me scared because I hate being staggered, especially on big boys, right? Sure. Like... But you don't play that on someone like Rhino. You play that on someone like Bucky, right? Like, okay, Bucky gets staggered. You're probably not too worried about it. Or Hoff and the boys. You know, like, like that's a good card, dude. I don't know if Bucky's Criminal Syndicate, but, or, or Bullseye. You know, Bullseye's a perfect example. Oh, can you imagine? Oh man, what's the pin cushion? Is the, no, that's yeah, a spender. That's a what's, spender. What's the what's his builder? His builder's just a, a throwing knife. Throwing knife. That's what it is. Can seven you imagine dice. a uh, seven dice throwing knife? <laughs> yeah, that's that's bonkers. Yeah, for one power. I mean, that's good. Yeah, or Gwen. I think it pierces and it bleeds and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm super here for that card. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. So anyways, do you want to read the next question? Uh, yeah. Um, the next question is from Chris Finest. Uh, how heavy is the five threat leader tax for Inhumans? Well, I think we addressed this a little bit yeah. earlier. In general, it's heavy sometimes. Other times, it's not really so much. It just depends on the scenario. It depends on who's coming into you, and it's really dependent on how you build your roster, I think. Yeah. I think a lot of times it's actually not as bad as it may seem. Yeah. That's I mean, just my take. That's an interesting way to look at it because I know that it just really depends on what you're getting out of those characters, and I think you really hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's scenario-dependent. I mean... Like, there's nothing wrong with going three tall sometimes. Yeah. Like three four tall it just depends on who you're going into Mm -hmm. and that's whenever i really lean into having someone like a beta ray bill a ulick and a ronin (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah if i'm going taller i'm bringing beef you know oh yeah and like there's nothing wrong with that i don't think absolutely so um yeah yeah so go with the next one too you read i read like a couple of them you read a couple of them uh, what was the trigger to start looking at the affiliation? Is the affiliation an answer to the battle cruiser meta currently going on? And that was from Dark Red Wormling. I love um, that name. The trigger to start looking at the affiliation. Funny enough, um, the last episode we were that we did together, my my friend who was listening said <laughs> that I forgot to bring this up. Um, I originally was drawn to the Inhumans because my friend Nathan said that the Inhumans were stupid and that nobody liked them. Oh, that'll do it. And I said, I'll take that as a challenge. No, no, you said, hold Um, my beer. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Um, But also, like, I think Black Bolt's easily one of the coolest characters ever. Um, So that that really, really helps. Um, But also, another part of that is I remember playing... I think I was tinkering around with spider foes or some something whenever I had first started playing the game. And I always found it so frustrating when one character would have all of the power in the freaking world and my other dude who needed all of it didn't have it. 
Mm-hmm. So as soon as I read Black Bolt's leadership ability, like, I think that's honestly mostly what sold me. And then I learned that Lockjaw could just, like, teleport people all over the place. I was sold. Sold. Um, sold. So, yeah, yeah that that's that's pretty much that. Um, is the affiliation an answer to the Battle Cruiser meta? I think so. And, like, we talked a lot about that with Ronin. Um, Ronin and Bill are two, like, incredibly good pieces in Inhumans right now. And Bill's just generically good everywhere. Yeah. Um, Ulick, too. Like, those three pieces are nuts into the Battlecruiser meta. Yeah. Um, and I think I have to, like, read this next one. I think this one's important. This one's important um, for you, yeah. Yeah. Why does X-23 haunt my nightmares? And um, that's from Half-Ass she, Ninja. She consistently swings way far above her weight class. Um, my friend Chase haunts me with her to this day. Um, <laughs> one of my very first games I ever played of Marvel Crisis Protocol, I am pretty sure she dazed slash KO'd most of my team in one game. Um, to which he still says that she's not that bad. <laughs> she's not that bad. Look, she's yeah, going to no, kill she's that bad. everything if you don't deal with it. Yeah. Like... Um, I have plans to get rid of her now. Yeah, smart <laughs> she man. She the table. I know exactly what I'm doing. Smart man. So we're not going to be able to get to all of these questions, unfortunately, because there are so many good ones here. But I do want to get through this and, and all of that stuff because we are running a little long. So Mad Mulligan says... Besides the missing members of the royal family, what other inhuman models would you like to see in the game? Um, I really think, and I actually had to do a little bit of research on this because I'm not super familiar with um, a lot of the other um, non-original inhuman characters in, in the comics, but I think Inferno would be really cool. Um, Inferno... Uh, there's like a brief description. Although a newly activated Inhuman after Adelon fell, um, he's basically just a he's a fire guy. He's kind of like the Human Torch. Yeah. Um, I know we just reset the clock, but that's okay. Hey, you know what? Um, reset the clock. I like. I feel like it pains me to not mention these two, and I know he said not the royal family, but Karnak and Gorgon. <laughs> they need. They need hey, to be here. Hey, not the royal. Like that. We need deep cut Inhumans. Okay. We need them. Uh, Triton, too. Dad, I don't know how the mine. heck they would make Triton in the game. I you, think he, he would just be a silly two-threat. You took mine. But I'm mine. here for it. I can't, you know, um, I'm really not okay with you taking mine. Oh, is that yours? <laughs> yes, Triton, man. Like, I had that action figure when I was a kid, and I always loved it. I thought it was awesome. Really? Yes. That's cool. It was a cool, that's a cool-looking character. Oh, yeah, he's very cool. Like, but his whole thing is, like, he just, he breathes water. Yeah, no, his deal <laughs> is not cool. But he looks cool, okay? Oh, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, so so uh, I've got Lash one. Lash like, would be a cool one, too. Which one? But Lash. Lash, yeah. Yeah, from what I was reading, uh, so, like, in Inhumans lore, um, you, you are given Terragenesis as a birthright. So if you were born with the Inhuman genes, when you hit teenage years, you're exposed to the Terrigen myths, then you your powers are revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, Lash did not. He he took it as a gift and not as a birthright. 
Um, and he, I guess he earned himself like teleportation. Um, he's just a big burly dude that is more or less evil. I nice. think, I think that'd be cool. Yeah. So I've got one that was okay. a very short lived comic run. It tragically show. So, because the character is pretty cool and, and one that like they really could have elaborated more on, I think. And that's mosaic. Okay. Like if you haven't read the mosaic comic run, it's pretty short. Do yourself a favor. It's a pretty damn good run. I'll have to read that. That sounds yeah. interesting. You and said mosaic? Mosaic. Like M-O-S-A-I-C, mosaic. Okay. And basically, it's a professional basketball player that gets hit with the Terrigen Mist and mm-hmm. does the Terrigenesis stuff, but then no longer has a physical form. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's dope, and it's a cool Did character. Did he get it the same way Miss Marvel got hers when they released it over the Earth? Yeah, or like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so that's awesome. One of the cool things, one of the sad things about the run is so like the art is incredible for the first like eight issues, but then there's a very very distinct shift in the art, and and like as soon as that happens is when the sales went down, and you can tell. Mm. And, That's a bummer. But the character is cool as heck. And yeah, I mean, I've got pictures up of him right now. He looks sick. Yeah. That's and, cool. And you could do a very claw-esque model for this character. And yeah, I just there's there's room room for this character in MCP. And I would love Amen. to see Mosaic. Like you want to talk about an inhumans character that regardless of what he performed like on the tabletop, I would really make an effort to get on the table. It'd be Mosaic. Yeah, I mean, we got a bear, so, like, we can get Mosaic. <laughs> I mean, come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, that seems fair. Uh, so, uh, Inhuman as a two-threat, you already said uh, yep. Triton. There you go. Well, like, I think I think Many Minis means, like, the like that's already in the game now. Oh, what Inhuman would you put in as a two-threat? Okay. Yeah, yeah, you said Triton. Triton. Yeah, Many Minis, thank yep. you. And... and admittedly like mosaic's a cool character i could see him as a two threat too but oh could you yeah i mean not that he doesn't have power like in that way like he could be the spectrum of power but like as a two threat he could work i think that'd be pretty cool i just need more four threats man i only have one (laughs) i need more four threats yeah so our buddy mithrandir or ron who is a wonderful cuddle cuddle buddy let me tell you uh oh yeah so at uh nashcon we got locked out of our room and we had to shack up with uh ron and graham and i got to uh sleep in ron's bed it was wonderful and it took graham this long to join the discord and you shared a room with this man i know i know but he's you know what he's my spirit animal i love that guy that's awesome yeah great so now suits the job is to get Graham to come to NashCon because apparently he might not be, and that is a travesty. That is a travesty. I need Call to meet the man. on the interwebs. Anyways, could the answer to all of the big boys, so six plus threat, be releasing better two and three threat characters? Who would be a two or three threat character you'd like to see that can start this new age? So the second part of the question I'm not really going to touch on right here just for now. 
but I mean, the three threat zone is the broadest threat in encompassing the most models in the game. I think if I did that math right. I would say so. so I mean, it's vast majority. Right. So more of those, better of those, it, it's tough. I think the game certainly needs more two threats at this point. I mean, our last two threat was bullseye with the errata change. Yeah. yeah, I think it was bullseye. Like the actual not from an errata change was... Honey badger? Honey badger, yeah. So... I mean, we just need more two threats, but with all of that said, better, I don't necessarily mean better, but just like you need to have two and three threats that have their tech, right? So like a character like Drax is actually a decent character into these big boys because it's like, okay, cool. If my opponent's coming after Drax, who's a three threat with their six threat model, I don't generally like the idea of like comparing threat values in that way because taking actions away is taking actions away but Drax is like perfectly suited for this because oh cool he's going to give you the vengeance token if you if you don't get him in one shot you're vengeance to did you know and he just he just stab 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 right and then cool you get stabbed and then if you don't finish him in one shot he's got the titan killer or whatever it's called where if, okay, he's got four out of five damage, saddle up four extra dice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, do we, do we need better? I don't know. Like, and we've got a pretty diverse cast as it is. Yeah. And like you find the right combination, you can do some really potent stuff. Yes, exactly. And and I think that's really all it is, is the right combination at the right times. Like, I think uh, there's there's more than enough out there at this point to deal with this stuff. So uh, the last couple questions that we're going to have here, unfortunately, I don't have time to get all of these. Ben Graham Wynn, my boy, says three questions about underrepresented characters in order of descending quality, in my opinion. <laughs> in my opinion. All right. So with the prevalence of splash characters, is Punisher's lack of an affiliation really why he doesn't see table time if not what is so i think so it is 100 percent his lack of affiliation why he doesn't see table time in yep. my opinion uh would yep. you agree yeah no question about that i've thought about putting him in inhumans recently yeah um yeah being able to pass him the power to be able to get off his uh I'm blanking on the names and stuff, Sniper but rifle. like being able to blow stuff up and cause damage for oh, free. Warzone. Yeah, please. Yeah, Warzone. And Blood Red and Personal or whatever that one's called. Um, that tactics card's crazy. Yes. I didn't realize until recently that it's every character that's KO'd, you get a point. Yeah. Yeah, Blood Red and Personal is an awesome card. Uh, underrated mm -hmm. tactics cards. There you go. And so Punisher is a really good character. He's a really good character. He is made of glass. So the fact that he's got a range three hip fire shot definitely, uh, I think, plays into his, his reasons for not being played as much also. Like, it's the mm -hmm. fact that he doesn't have an affiliation and then that, right? I think it's fair 
to compare Punisher and Mystique in a lot of ways. They're similar characters, Warzone and and her expert sabotage or whatever it's called, um, mm-hmm. are the same superpower, just with different names. And then Punisher has a guaranteed rapid fire, whereas Mystique doesn't. Punisher has a pretty darn good tactics card, like we talked about, but it ain't free. And it doesn't displace people, so that's one thing difference there. Punisher has a ranged five attack. Punisher can add dice to his attack rolls. And he can advance himself with Spec Ops training, short. So yeah, those two characters... To put him in there with the movement shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah, you get him two power and he's just moving short and shooting people. Or shooting people, moving short away. But the problem is, so the difference being here, Punisher does not have martial artist, and that martial artist is a key cog in keeping Mystique alive within Mm -hmm. that range band that she operates. Oh, definitely. So Punisher, I think, is a good character, and if you're getting the power with him, aimed shot is an incredibly good attack. Absolutely. And obviously Warzone blowing up stuff and they just suffer two damage. Just cool. Have two damage. Incredible. But yeah, that lack of affiliation. So like he doesn't, he can gain the benefits from Avengers. He can gain the benefits from Midnight Suns or from Brotherhood of Mutants or whatever. Insert affiliation. But when you have, like I said earlier, so many three threats in the game that take up those slots if you have a character that's unaffiliated and doesn't have as broad of a role as someone like a pyro or up until recently, like a mystique or isn't specifically teched for certain things like say red guardian or iron fist, like you mentioned earlier, specific tech or isn't necessarily as versatile as Nick Fury and the howling commandos that plays a big part. Yeah. Sorry, I kind of like stole the thunder on no, that one, but that's it. Yeah. It's, I mean, being able to, like, it's hard whenever you need to make affiliation to get your bonus, and he doesn't even, like, benefit. Like, if you went dual affiliated, he doesn't, aff- he doesn't help either side. <laughs> yes. At all. Yes. You know, and he doesn't like benefit from any team tactics cards that are within the affiliation either, which is also tough. Yeah. And and frankly, it's thematic that he's unaffiliated. Yeah. Oh yeah. But he is the vigilantiest vigilante. Make him give him rogue agent and we're not having this conversation. Yeah. I'm still I don't understand why he's not rogue agent, honestly. Like there you go. Uh so this is another one that I, I'm going to read all three of these questions that he's written here. So this is the second one. Lackluster leadership, notwithstanding does Cyclops deserve the hate or is he more a victim of being crowded out in a very competitive four threat slot? You take this one first, because I know the Rose lad out there is listening and he's going to have some thoughts as to what we say. So to be honest, I don't really have much of an opinion. Um, However, I think that he pretty much did state it himself in saying that, or is he more of a victim of being crowded in a very competitive force threat spot? Because he is, I think. Um, however, his optic blast 
is really good. Like, I think it's really good. At range 4, 5 strength, and being able to get the wild push, displacement is just so valuable in this game. And being able to do that from range is also very good. Um, I don't know how his leadership works, if I'm being honest. That's um, fair. Once per turn, when an allied character declares an attack action, but before it chooses an attack... Oh, right, right. So everybody else can kind of dish in, yeah. dish in one power to make his... Okay. Um, I think that they need to make the range restriction wider. But... Sure. Uh, we're not talking about the fixes that can be yeah. made, all that stuff. So... Let me see. Yeah. I don't know if he necessarily deserves the hate. I think that, like, there is, again, like we've stated a million times already, like, if you surround your characters with, right, like, the right tech pieces and the right amount of practice, like, any any of this can be great. Yeah, I mean... Um, and I don't think it necessarily deserves the hate at all. I think he's just also partnered up against a incredibly good three-threat leader in the same exact affiliation. I think that definitely plays a part. I know, I mean, Rose Lad played Cyclops into me not that long ago, and it was a solid game. It, there's definitely some merit there. And when you look at Cyclops' kit as a whole, it's pretty solid. You know, like you said, Optic Blast, Displacement is nice. The Wild being only size 2, it's, you know, it's just kind of, eh. They, you know, it, it's, mm -hmm. there's so many big boys, and I don't mean like your, your big threats, but like size 3 and above that aren't going to get moved. And for whatever reason, I know, at least in my experience, rolling Cyclops' dice have not led to anything valuable for me. <laughs> It's it's like okay cool can't roll a wild to save my life oh and I have no hits wonderful you I do know? like that he's got hit and run I didn't know he had a hit and run right well he's got hit and run right which is great but unlike Star Lord who also has hit and run he doesn't have flight so moving around terrain becomes something you have to deal with right and right. then he's on that smaller base the medium move so that compounds things then he's got something called quick draw which when he has two power, it's a really good thing. But Cyclops, if you're playing against Cyclops, I'm going to give you the secret to play. Do not attack him. Starve him out of power. Because Field Leader is a incredibly good ability that he will never have power for. Yeah. Quick Draw, an incredibly good ability that it's, it's basically martial prowess if someone attacks him outside of range two. Mm -hmm. And you can just put two damage on people. So, a great ability. But if you're attacking him and, and let's, you know, you're, you could end up hurting yourself. So, why would you bother doing that? And then again, you're probably going to want to spend for hit and run on him. So, you know, spend, making him spend his power, either delete him off the board as fast as possible or make him spend his power. Either way, right. it, he's in a crowded four threat market, if you will. And like you said, you really hit the nail on the head with the fact that storm is just such an, like storm is conversely 
a lackluster character in her own right, but with an amazing leadership. Yeah, her leadership is crazy. So, so all of that combines to say, okay, well, it, I can get more models on the board with a better leadership. Why wouldn't I play Storm here? And does adding a four-threat Cyclops to a Storm-led X-Men boost my ability that much? The answer is probably no in most instances. Yeah. Like, he's fine. He's the epitome of that, like, just below the the middle, I would say, of, like, that perfectly balanced character. Because if you think about what a four-threat should be, Cyclops ticks a lot of what a four-threat should be boxes. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, we have characters that tick other boxes. Yeah. All right, what's the Especially last one? Especially someone like Rogue. <laughs> hey, oh, know? my. Oh, Rogue's so good. What's the I last know. one here that Ben Grimm says? Because I like this one, too. How can Colossus be fixed? The savior of mutant kind does not deserve to be the worst tank in the game. Love it. I'm I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you the secret, Brian Freddy. You ready? Yeah. What is it? Give that man a medium move. Yeah. Definitely. Problem solved. Don't get it. Like like you need- legit. You you let you let Colossus move medium. <laughs> this is not a conversation. Because. His strike is fine. It's range two. That makes sense. X-Slam, also range two. That makes sense. But it auto-stuns. Auto-stuns. I didn't realize it auto-stuns. With a chance for a stagger on seven dice. I'll take that odd. Oof. He has a bodyguard. He can boost his defenses. Like, if you just let him get there, he's not having a problem. No, not at all. Um. Yeah, that's crazy. And he I gets better he on his injured stun. side. That's pretty good. He gets better on his injured side. Does he really? Yes. I mean, in my opinion. So instead of adding dice for his defense, he just counts blanks on physical oh. and energy. Yeah, that's really good. And it just happens. Yeah. Holy crap. So, that's awesome. Like, look. And maybe you make X-Slam range three. But like... You give Colossus a medium move, and we're in a whole other realm of of talking about this character. You want to talk about a four threat that sees the table because, hey, guess who's X-23's best friend now? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, for real. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I wouldn't so, like that combo, seeing that across the table. I'll tell you that right now. I, it, it, it would be the pits. I just want to eliminate her usually yeah but i mean <laughs> dude like you just let him get there anyways last question of the day and i know there's more i'm sorry we can't get to them all but i do want to get this one because i think this is a good one kind of to cap off our discussion here keith Tomps says a general question about tabletop games but how do you improve unlike playing an instrument or a sport there's little difference between practice and performance. Bonus points if you have strategies for improving with limited playtime to full play to play full games. So I love this question. And part of this can be I'll, I'll direct you to that show I did with Dojo. That was a little meandering at times, so I understand if that didn't give you what you need here. 
but you re you make a really good point here, Keith. Unlike playing an instrument or a sport, there's little difference between practice and performance. So by that, you mean playing to try to learn and get better in like an actual controlled environment versus going to a, a tournament and then doing the thing. But really the practice and their performance are different. You can't control dice. Like I'll tell you that right now, you're never going to be able to control the dice the way you want. But what you can do is operate with a mindset that the dice are going to dice and, and you're going to just have to have a plan for if it doesn't go your way. Right. I would encourage you to go and watch the game I had with big Al uh, from today, from when I'm recording this episode, that game was one where early on it was hot nonsense with his dice. Right. But when I took stock of the situation, there was only a total of six points available on the board at a time because we were playing legacy and demons. And sure he can go grab all three of the legacies at some point and potentially pop. It was not his plan. It wasn't going to happen. All right. It was, it was very clear that that was not really what was going to happen. So I used that to my advantage to say, okay, cool. It's going to swing. Things are going to swing. And when you're talking about how do you improve and get better and, and especially with limited playtime, it's, it's hard with limited playtime, but put yourself in those situations, put yourself in a middle of the game situation. You've got a character on four out of five damage and, and they need to survive, right? Is this the time you use your winging it token? Or, or whatever it is you're playing, right? Like, do you have a tool that you can use to save this character? Or you need to do that one point of damage to an Iron Man so that you can get rid of the Helios before it gets to go off. Well, set something up, you know? Like, you don't have to just start a game off the rip every single time when you're practicing. You can put yourself into game situations, it's hard to do, but I would imagine, Keith, since you listen to this podcast and other people out there, you're watching YouTube videos. You're listening to other podcasts, stuff like that. Go find a match on YouTube and and try to somewhat recreate a situation, but with your squad. Like, go into TTS, and if you have it, or on the tabletop and say, okay, cool, I saw Will had... These characters, I would bring these characters against that, and how would I perform in this situation? Stuff like that can give you valuable information for when you're at an event. You know, and it's also it's, being able to like like measure out and see where your characters can yes. get is a big thing. Yes. Just putting the models on the tabletop to see how far they can go. For real. I mean, it makes a huge difference. It I does. think anyway. It does. So while the dice are uncontrollable, the the practice and the performance really do shine through when you're when you're at an event and it's like, cool, I've been playing uh the 
Weapon X for five minutes. I'm not going to be nearly as good at Weapon X as someone like Half-Ass Ninja who's been playing them since they came out. And that's and where still the, is. the yeah, still is whether he says so or not. But that's where the right. practice and performance <laughs> thing can like overlap. Right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Cool. So, with that, we do have a giveaway to announce the winner of today. So, I'm going to pause the podcast and run this real quick. So I'm going to go ahead and hit the button for this giveaway. It is for a Cosmic Ghost Rider and M'Baku and Claw packs for Marvel Crisis Protocol. And uh, yeah, like I am, I'm super stoked to do this. I'm really excited to give away stuff and that's what the Patreon's all about. I know I mentioned it a few minutes ago, but like it's there so that I can give back to the community in this way and so that we can host the podcast. That's all it is. And I really appreciate everyone that supports in that way. It really means a lot to me. And this was a bit of a shorter giveaway this time around, but you know what? It's all good. And here's the button. And the winner is Matthew Johansson. And his character, like a deep cut oddball character, was Speedball. Can't get more bonkers than that. That was his comment. Thank you so much, Matthew, for listening. I'll be in touch to uh, get you your models. But uh, yeah, thank you everyone for participating. We'll be back with another giveaway once we get some more announcements from AMG. Hopefully we'll see a lot of those come, what, next week or is that the week after? Fingers crossed. It's next week. Yeah, it's next week. Next Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, with that, uh, Brian, Freddie, where can people find you? You can find me only at the House Party Protocol Discord where I mostly live at most of the day, (laughs) every day. It's it's a good time over there. It's a good time. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for being on with me today. Suits, let us know what you thought of this episode. Send us messages on Facebook or on email housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com if you're in the discord there's a feedback channel now let me know what you think of this episode content is you know you can comment on the content in the general section but like how did it sound was the content overall good were we engaging all that kind of stuff is stuff that i want to know so that i can get better and and make this podcast better for everyone out there that listens and uh yeah i appreciate all y'all and Brian, Freddie, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Yeah, absolutely, man. It's been a great time. I've had a lot of fun. Awesome. Party on, Brian. Party on, Will. And power down, suits. Suits.